Hey there, I'm Donnie Spano and this is Faith for Today. And in this broadcast, we are going to look at a particular topic and uh, you can see that there. We are going to be looking in this session on perfection. We're going to be looking at uh, a little series we're entitling Perfect. Today we're going to look at God Repents. Now, we looked just recently at perfection and we talked about what, perf what perfect in the scriptures is not. Perfect in the scriptures, perfect in the Bible, is not being in a place and position where we don't need improvement. Perfect in the Bible is not being in a place and position where we cannot make an adjustment or receive improvement. And uh, we can look at it in this way. If we grow to be even 120 years, at 119 years old, having learned much from the Lord, not a single one of us can say there's nothing more that we can learn there's nothing more in which we can grow in or improve upon. And um, Paul actually touched on this in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. By the Spirit of God, he said, um, For here we see in part and we know in part. And that's how it's going to be for every single one of us. That as long as we're in this earth, we're going to know in part. Which means we can always improve. We can always grow. Which means, what are we waiting for to do what we sense we should do? And that's what I started to see as we were looking at this. I, we were leaving the Northeast and we were coming back to our, our headquarters and our home base in Southwest Florida. And as we were leaving, uh, it came to my heart, it doesn't need to be perfect, but it needs to be secure. And as I've looked at it more, I sense like the Lord would minister and say, it doesn't need to be perfect. Now, now understand what I'm saying. It doesn't need to be in a place and position where it can't be improved. That's not perfect before God. It does need to be useful. That's what we're talking about. We were getting things together and I, we needed it secure to make our travel. And that's what came in my heart. It doesn't need to be perfect. What does that mean? Whether it's this way by half an inch or that way, that's not as important as in, are you going to get across safely? Is it tied down safely? Is it secure? And it's like that for us. There are many that aren't doing something because they think, I'm just going to mess up. I'm, it's going to need to be improved upon. Yeah. Join the whole human race in that we are all needing improvement. So what are you waiting for to get involved in that church? What are you waiting for to start ministering and doing what God told you to do? What are you waiting for? Yes, it's going to need to be improved. Yes, you're going to need to make adjustments. Every single one of us needs to. But if we don't start where we're at right now, then we won't be ready for the next things. And we'll stay where we are. That's a problem. Now let's look here in Philippians, the third chapter, verses 12 through 15. 
Because Paul addresses some of this very thing. Philippians 3, 12 through 15. Thank you, Lord. We're told, even by the Master Jesus, we can find this um, in Matthew 5, 48. In Luke 6, 40, you'll see the same principle. But we are told to be perfect as God is perfect. And that's why we're talking about this. Perfect, because many people say, perfect like God? No way. They think, obviously, that can't be. Many have been taught that Jesus is on a level that we can never equate to. But Jesus lived and operated as a man, showing us that we could do it like he did it, by the help of God. And um, so here in, in Philippians 3, 12 through 15, we find that the Spirit of God says, Not as though I had it already t- attained, Paul by the Spirit of God is saying, either were already what? Perfect. He's saying, I haven't reached perfection yet. I haven't reached a place where I cannot improve. I cannot make an adjustment. What does he continue to say? He says, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He said, I haven't met the mark yet. I haven't got to perfection yet. But this one thing I do. So he's saying, this is the one thing I do. As being not perfect, as not having reached perfection yet, I do this one thing. It's important we hear this. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. That's the one thing the Spirit of God has him touch on. Forget what's behind, reach forth to what's before. Which shows us if we're not forgetting what's behind, we're going to be, wake up now, come on, you need to hear this. If we're not forgetting what's behind, will be hindered in reaching forth to what's before. This is the one thing he's doing. He's not remembering that, and he is reaching here. But if he's remembering this, he's not reaching here. And so it's so important for us and for how we conduct ourselves with others, we're not bringing up their past. They already know it was wrong. They already know they missed it. They already know. We already know we missed it. Now it's between us and God. Now it's between them and God. If they made it right, He doesn't hold it against them. And the scriptures say for His own sake, He doesn't remember it. And if God doesn't remember what wrong they did, if he doesn't remember their past, why would we bring it up and hold it against them? We're talking about hindering perfection, hindering people from growing to God's place 
for them. And you and I can be a helper or we can be a hindrance to their growth and we can be a helper or hindrance to our own. We need to forget the past. It's done. It's gone. And we can't live there and reach forward and grow and be more useful for God. If we're going to be useful for God and for the kingdom, if we're going to be a help to others, we got to forget this past. It's not going to help us. Now, that does not, let's get this in, in the right context. There are things that have happened in the past that are written down in these scriptures. And there's other things that God will show us that will connect with the scriptures. We don't forget that. They're written for our example, for our admonition. That means a reminder for us so we don't miss it in the same way. But I sense you get the heart of what we're saying. You and I cannot continue successfully in the future and reach and allow God to perfect us and use us more and reach forth into that and still look to how we missed it in the past or how we succeeded. That back there will not determine our perfecting and our usefulness to God in the future. And so he continues and says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now this, get this in the 15th verse. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, so he's talking about he had not already attained, he has not been already perfect, but now he's saying, let us as many as be perfect. So you see what we were talking about earlier. This is perfect in heart. This is perfect in mind. This is someone God can use. This is someone whom God can adapt. God's not looking for us to be without need of improvement. He's looking for us to be adaptable and useful. Now let's continue. It says, Thank you, Lord. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you. Thank you, Lord. He continues and says, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Notice we must renew our mind. That's why I keep going over this about what perfection is and is not. Because you and I have got to get rid of this old mindset that to be perfect means it's without need of improvement, without need of being adapted and molded. Now go with me if you will to Ephesians 4 verses 11 through 16. Just going to back up some Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. If, yes, sir, we'll come to that. Let me, let's read this and then I can say that. And here we have it for you there as well. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Why is it that saints, believers, need to be perfected for the work of the ministry, 
for the usefulness to God and the kingdom. If we refuse to be perfected, we choose to be useless to the kingdom, useless to God. It's not about being perfect. It's about being useful. Do what you got to do to get this. Now, he continues and says, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's about growing up. Continue on, 13th verse, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And it goes on and talks about from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. So it's talking about a mature full, grown-up individual that is the body of Christ. And we have people that God has given. Pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, evangelists. God has positioned people around us that He has sent to perfect us. And if we refuse to hear whom God sends, we refuse His perfecting process. And we limit our usefulness to Him. Notice He doesn't just say pastors. He doesn't just say prophets. This is a five-fold ministry that God has ordained. He has called them. He has called them to perfect the church, perfect believers, so that they will be useful for the ministry, so that they will bring, yes sir, fruitfulness to the body, and more will come to know Christ. But notice the perfecting process, it's not just up to who God puts in position to help perfect. No, we have to ourselves submit ourselves to God, enter into place, and allow Him to perfect us. And if people are not allowed to say anything that would cause us to make an adjustment or cause us to make an improvement, then God Himself is not allowed of us to perfect us because He's going to do it through people. And so here, let's continue and let's look at Isaiah. Let's look at Isaiah. Thank you, Lord. 64 and verse 8. Isaiah 64, verse 8. And we'll find in Romans, the second chapter, it gives us the wonderful knowing that it is the goodness of God 
that leads men to repentance. That God in His goodness will lead us to make a change. And now, this is also, we, we don't have time to go there right now, I sense. But the scriptures say that godly sorrow works repentance. It tells us not to sorrow as the world does, which works death. But in Corinthians, the, the Spirit of God mentions that godly sorrow works repentance. The only reason that we're sorry after a godly way is so that we'll make a change. And what we're seeing here, that change is because it enables us to be useful. Useful to God and useful to man. Now here in 64 verse 8 of Isaiah we see, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you our potter. And we all are the work of your hand. God, yes sir, well, go with me again to uh, Jeremiah 18, if you will. Jeremiah 18. Thank you, Lord. God would like to be the potter. Would you be the clay? <laughs> you know, Jesus, he told the disciples to stay and, and pray with him for how long? For 24 hours. Stay up, boys. Come on. What, you can't stay up 24 hours? No. An hour. One hour. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Jesus couldn't make them do it. They would not allow themselves to be adapted and adjusted. And they missed an opportunity because of it. Let that sink in. Jeremiah 18, verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel. You know, God's, he's very wanting to get it right. And if you and I will give him place, he'll make it right. <laughs> and that's what's going on here. It wasn't right the first time. It got marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again. You know, you and I, we ought to do it again if it's not right. We're representing who? God the Father? Jesus? So if it's not right, they're stamped on it. You know, more people, <laughs> more people think they know what you believe Christians, then you realize. More people think they, I'm telling you, they're watching us. They're watching us all the time. How are we representing Him? If it's not done right, we can make it right. We can put that clay back on the wheel 
and we can make it right. And it said, uh, so he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do to them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it do evil in my sight that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. So God is looking at the heart of the nation, of the kingdom, of the people. And depending on what's in the heart, he'll repent. God himself will change from the way he would do it. Now, this baffles people because they don't, they don't understand. They, they think, well, God's sovereign, so if he says he's going to do it that way, that's it. That's all. He's got backup plans. He is constant. He is unchanging. And he, he has said it and he will do it. He won't repent from it. But if people decide they won't have any part and they won't adapt themselves, they won't be flexible and they won't go that way, he'll find somebody else. And you can see this very thing. Go with me, if you will, to Exodus 32. And this is important because being perfect, like God's perfect, you and I are going to need to adapt. We're going to have a lifestyle that is continually willing to repent. Now, repentance is not what many people think it is. Simple repentance is making an adjustment. It's Yes, sir. It's just making a simple course adjustment, a simple change. And Exodus 32, verse 1. Thank you, Lord. And when the people saw, we're going to go a few verses here. We'll go up through, I believe, verse 14. And uh, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. As, uh, for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of, out of the land of Egypt, that doesn't sound very respectful, does it? We know not what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, so now this is Aaron. He knows better. Can you see this? And here 
He's allowing the people and the persuasion to get him off of what he knows is right. And he is in a need of perfecting right now. He needs to make an adjustment because if he doesn't change this, it will hurt him and all that are connected to him. And it right now, he's not very useful to the people. Just doing what the people want is not very useful to God. And um, it says, He received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar for it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Now Aaron knew better, which means if there's mercy for him, guess what, my friends? There's mercy for you and I too. God will help us even if we've made some foolish decisions. He can help us get it right. Now let's continue. Seventh verse says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go get you down for your people. God has disowned this people. They're not just Moses' people. Up and before that point, they were God's people. God said, Hey Moses, get down to your people. That's not a good sign. And he said, Which you brought out of the land of Egypt. Oh my. They've corrupted themselves. They have corrupted themselves. Who corrupted them? God, because God's sovereign and God's the, the potter. They're the clay and they're in His. No, they corrupted themselves. They need correction, but it doesn't just come automatically. And, yes sir, okay. And, uh, the Lord said to Moses, Go get you down for your people. He said, They've corrupted themselves. Eighth verse. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They need to repent. They have turned aside out of God's way. They did this. He continues and says, They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereto and said, These be your gods, O Israel which have brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people, hard people, proud people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. God is saying, I will do away with my plans with them. They were supposed to be my people. They were supposed to be my nation. But I am going to change my plans. If God is willing to change His plans, if He's willing to repent, why not we? Why should we not be flexible? Not to everybody and not, not to everybody and what everybody else thinks, but to God and His way and for the kingdom. We need to be adaptable. We need to be adjustable. Not perfect, but useful. And if we're not adaptable, 
If we're not adjustable, we're not useful. And he continued and said, And Moses besought the Lord, 11th verse. He besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath wax hot against your people, which you have brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your turn. This is what we're doing. Turn. This is a repentance. Turn from your fierce wrath and repent of this evil against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swear by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give to your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And what? 14th verse. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do to his people. God repents. God has more than one way of doing things. Now, as I've been going into this, something that happened very on, early on in my uh, life in ministry, when I committed my life to the Lord, and some time after, I got a hold of this. In fact, when uh, my wife Tamara and I started uh, submitting ourselves to our elders, and the Lord showed me early on, in fact, our pastor and our elder was in another part of the world, in the Pacific, and ministering, ministering to uh, Bible college graduates, and said that early on in his ministry, he had, uh, he had got it in his heart and asked God to build him up as quickly and as solidly as possible. And I was driving at the time, and uh, I did that very thing. I asked God that very thing, and I've seen it. He said he's seen it as, as he saw it as well in his life. He said it wasn't long after that that they had asked him to to teach in the in the Bible training center there. And after that, they asked him to teach more classes. Before he knew it, he said, "I think he was teaching, ministering, twenty five times in a week." He said. He, Get to a place where you almost feel spent. Well, you do feel spent. And <laughs> said that, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, praying and asking, God, use me. God, use me. God, use me. And then God actually starts using them. And they think, oh, man, I just feel so used. I feel so used. Oh, they got what they asked for. And this is part. If you and I want to be more useful... We have to allow ourselves to be put on God's wheel and shaped and molded like He would so desire. I have prayed this and I want more of it. And it has molded me. It has shaped me. I want more. And I want to give you that opportunity as well. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me and ask the Father together about this. Father, we together ask of you, which means we, we will. We're giving of ourselves. We submit ourselves to you. And we ask that you would build us up 
as quickly and as solidly as possible. Do your wonderful work and allow us, enable us to be more useful for you, for your kingdom, and for those round about us. Father, we believe we receive that and we thank you in advance for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. That's all for this broadcast. We love you. We bless you. We will see you soon. Thank you.